Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
political activist and mayor of Payson, Arizona, who just recently got elected, Tom Morrissey, who uh, is on the line with us right now, I believe. Uh, Tom, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. uh, Excellent. Tom, I want to give you a huge introduction. I just said uh, you were coming on the show, but Steven Seagal's co-author and business partner, ex-chief deputy, U.S. Marshal, martial artist, U.S. Army veteran, musician, political activist, and the newly elected mayor of Payson, Arizona. Congratulations on that, man. I am so happy for you. you, I mean, you deserve it so much, and you have all the, you know, the best credentials and an amazing background, and you're the the nicest, most genuine person, and I really believe uh, you're going to do amazing things for that city. Thank you. Thank you, Rory. I... I, uh... I'm very excited about that, and uh, it's uh, it's almost surreal, you know, because uh, yeah. it, it, there's so much that goes on, you know, with, with elected office, and uh, when all of a sudden you're the CEO of a, of a town, when Payson is a town, and uh, you know, there's so much that you got you have to get your arms around, and then uh, a nonpartisan election. So we had what's called the jungle primary, and yes. um, so we, with with that, uh, you, you have uh, uh, and you, you have beat, out a, you you have beat out a guy that was in there for forty years. Am I correct? Thirty or forty years? No, 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 no. no. He, he lived here. His father was one of the founders of, of Payson, and uh, but he he was uh, in, he was a uh, mayor back in in the nineties. And then uh, he was on the town council, then the mayor, and then uh, he's one of the biggest real estate. Real estate uh, the, the you're you're cutting out a little bit, Tom. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I'm going to move over. Yeah. Can you hear? Yeah, that's okay. That's better. Um, yeah, my service so, yeah, so, here is, is so. So, uh, can you uh, if you can still hear me? Um, the yeah. uh, man, the, the incumbent, he was incumbent because he was back for a, a, another term. And it looked like he was going to sail through to a re-election, and uh, there were a bunch of things going on here that uh, that were uh, not, not good. So I, I jumped into the race. Uh, I'm newly arrived in Payson, and yeah. uh, I, you know, so uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we won. I, I have a team that uh, surrounded me and, and really worked hard, and uh, we won. And so I am. I won't take office until December thirteenth. But uh, oh, December. But okay. uh, December. but I'm. So I'm you getting ready December, for did it. Did you say so December? Did you say December thirteenth? Yeah, De- December thirteenth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So wow. So but, uh, so let's keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But there's a bunch of questions I got to no, ask sorry. you. Sure, go ahead. So you know this whole election fascinates me because you know you're a newly arrived. Uh, resident in Payson, uh, you you all also, in a lot of senses, um, are are the out, are an outsider in, in terms of you know coming in there. Uh, you you self funded. Uh, you you know you did a lot of things that other you're, you know you're not you're not the politician you know like everybody else is. I mean you're and you know you you do it you did it the right way. I mean this is what people want. They want someone with your sort of credentials and with your background, they don't, they, they don't want just another Joe Schmo uh, politician. And, um, yeah. you know, you really, you really pulled this off really well. And, 
you know, you and you and Joe Arpaio and you know are really close, and um, I know he's really happy. I, I talked to him; he's really happy you won. And uh, this is just this is amazing, man. I mean, it, it's incredible, and it, it's one of those things where you are the pro-Trump candidate, and you have been since day one. You've been with our president uh, since day one, and you've uh, you know you've done you've been around, man. You've lived a hell of a life, I'll tell you. <laughs> God has blessed me many, many times in my life, <clears throat> and um, I, I realize that, and I'm very thankful for it, Rory. It's very nice of you to say all those wonderful things you're saying about me, um, and I do appreciate it. But the lesson here uh, for, for all the li- listeners is uh, this is the second adventure I've had uh, elected office. I, I was elected to the uh, chairmanship of the, the Arizona Republican Party in 2011, and yeah. uh, in, in that election, I, I was I was a write-in candidate. Uh, I had a three-day campaign. I ran against an establishment candidate who had been running for 90 days, and it was financed, and it was uh, from the McCain wing of the party. And uh, it's able to, I, I won. I had the grassroots backing. I won, and the, uh, the establishment declared war on me. And uh, for two years, it, it was a, a running gun battle without guns. And uh, at the end of it, uh, we raised more money than he, any chairman had raised uh, up to that point and since. And we wow. had uh, we were the most we were the most successful Republican Party in the country in, in the 2012 election. We won every major we won every office. We swept the board, and uh, it was because because the grassroots the, the Anti-establishment took over, and and, uh, and 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 we won. Now it's, uh, the same thing happened in, in this election. We we were uh, I was fighting the establishment, and the uh, grassroots came together, and together uh, we we pulled this off. And this, I mean they they're stunned. They, they, they don't know because actually nobody thought that uh, we could do this, and, and now. That we have it now. Where I'm trying to get one more position, because uh, I'm the mayor, but I have a town council that I have to vote with. I'm only one vote on the town council, but I set the agenda. I, I bring the motions and I, I run the, the business of the town, even though we have a town manager. But the, the lesson here, and the thing that, that I, I want to keep saying and saying and saying, is that we, yeah. the people, have the power. And we the people don't often understand that. So we need remember the, the country is built on those three words: we the people. And and the only way that we're, we're going to that we're going to continue the march that we have under President Trump is is if we stand with those three words and, and we we don't let the establishment take him down, and and we we don't, we don't let them stop us from saving our country. Now, I'm just a mayor of a small town, and, and but the, the message that that goes out now, now I'll have to It is a well-known. It's a with, very well-known small town, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, Payson is. You keep cutting. You keep cutting out a little bit. Kind of. I'm trying to get. Can you hear me now? I'm, Still a little fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, let, let, now better, better, let, better, let much better. Okay. All right. So, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, so uh, 
Yeah, keep it's cutting out. Tom? How about now? Can you hear me now? Yep, better. Okay. So um, the, the message to all this, Rory, and, and to everybody listening, is, is yep. that our fate is in our hands. And, and we, it's up to us to, to yep. do what must be done. And we've got to do whatever it is we've got to do. And that, I mean, yep. whatever it is. I can't stress that enough. We cannot let the establishment, deep state, take us down, take our president down. We cannot allow that. You know, so, and the power, I mean, it, it's obvious. We have the power, and the, the only thing we have to do is use it, and we and use it we must, you know. So, I can't say that enough. But, now, you but know, anyway. now that, Tom, here, here's my question. I think this is a really good question as well. You know, you're, you're a guy that is, has been in the scene for a while. I mean, you work with Seagal. You and Seagal are really close. You were a U.S. Marshal. You know, you... You've done so much. I mean, you're a U.S. Army veteran. You've, you know, been doing writing books. Um, but politics seems. I know you've been an activist for a while. I know you've, you know, been yeah. very uh, heavily focused and, you know, involved on a, on a different scale with politics in the past. But being mayor, this is a huge, brand new step. And it's like, wow. It's like, you know, you're walking in into something that, you know, is kind of a whole new. A territory, in a sense, you know what what kind of adjustments and what kind of um, you know things, uh, you know, in in as the elected as the newly elected mayor, are you starting to realize, like in terms of the corruption, in terms of some of the things that you know uh, that you didn't know before. I mean, some of the things that you uh, have on your hands. Some of the people you're well, going up um, against, I mean, some of the evil, I'm sure there's evil swamp creatures in, in some of these city councils. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's quite true. We, what, what I'm doing now is I'm forming committees, advisory committees, mayor, mayoral advisory committees. One of the committees that, um, that, that I formed is a law enforcement advisory committee. Which nice. I will, I'm going to use. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use that uh, venue as a, uh, a tool to professionalize the police department here. Um, and and I'm, I have professionals. I have a retired homicide detective, two police chiefs, one from California, another one from from uh, Arizona, and then I have the man who was the head of internal affairs, the Phoenix PD. He's now in a private investigator. Um, I'm bringing them in as advisory committee, and, and the, we, the chief of police here is retiring next year. So uh, we're going to make we're going to find the police chief who's going to professionalize uh, this these um, police. Uh, we we I'm going to make government transparent. It's it's going to be mind-boggling. The town is going to be able to see everything we do, uh, why we do it. Uh, where the money is spent, uh, we're going to level the playing field. We're going to we're going to eliminate cronyism. Uh, we're going to we're going to everybody that's in town government is going to understand, and everybody that works in the town that we work for the people. They are yeah. our employers. Right, and, you know, and I lo- you know I love yeah. what you're doing in terms of, and, and for those who don't know, uh, you were an NYPD police officer for many 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 years. Um, and uh, you've seen your fair share of crazy uh, <laughs> craziness 
and uh, some horrific things. And you know all about, you know, what proper law enforcement entails and, and, and what, what needs to be done. And this is great. I mean, this is something that needs to happen in more sit, uh, cities. That mayors need to do this more. Well, well, we do, but Rory, let me correct you. I was at NYPD. I started in the Marshal Service in New York City, and I worked okay. task forces with with the NYPD. So we were closing, we were intertwined. I, I was a member of the of the NYPD as, as a task force member. Then I was a member of Oakland PD as a task force member. This is for like six months at a time, uh, up to a year. I was a member of the uh, Miami Dade uh, uh, task force. I was. I worked in St. Croix, I worked in Singapore, um, and you worked in task forces. I, I worked some of the biggest cases that were around at the time that, that, that was, uh, I was in the Marshall Service. So I was attached to police departments. I did patrol. Um, I, I did everything, you know. You're still cutting out a little bit. Yeah. How about now? Can, better, better. Better, yep. Okay, so um, the you know the, the, that experience. I mean, I, I I walk like a cop. I talk like a cop. I think like a cop. Um, I you know I've had I've had other things that that I've done. Uh, but uh, when when you've been in law enforcement for so long, you you kind of see things a little different, and uh, it, it, perceptions are higher because you know a lot of times when you're in the street, it's a life and death situation. Uh, so. Your, your senses are, are heightened, so you you kind of know when somebody's telling you the truth and when they're not, you know that that type of thing. So that helps in politics. But the problem that politicians have with me is that I'm not a politician. Same way with Sheriff Sheriff Joe right. is not a, a politician, you know. And yep. God bless him. He, you know, he's I, I, I always describe man. him. He is absolutely, and I, I always describe him as having true grit. <laughs> you know, true grit. He's like. John Wayne, you know, and uh, is, jo- Joe is. is, you know, and he, he's not afraid of anybody, and uh, and he welcomes, the, you know, a, a fight in every sense of the word. Same with Donald Trump. Donald Trump yeah. is true grit, you know, and yeah, you know, and, and you know what, his, you know what, I always said, Tom, and a lot of people agree with me on many levels, is that Joe Arpaio and President Trump, in many ways, are two of the same. I mean, if you look at yeah. the closest thing in existence mentality wise and personality wise and agenda and toughness wise it Joe Arpaio yeah. is right next to Trump. I mean they're two peas in a pod. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if if, if you give me it, it may take me a little more than a minute to tell this story, but it's a really oh, good do. story. Please, please do. Is it about okay, Arpaio? Um, that's about Arpaio. Um, okay, please when, do that. Whenever I, I, I was, I have Secret Service clearance, I, which I've maintained since I retired from the Marshal Service, and I, I that enabled me. I was a driver in President Trump when he was candidate Trump's motorcade whenever he came to Arizona, and and Vice President Pence. So what yep. I I didn't drive Trump. I, I the Secret Service drove him, but I drove his family. I drove uh, his staff uh, and. and and one, and one of the trips here, which had the biggest rally, where we had thirty-six thousand people in Fountain Hills. Yep. Um, I, I drove Joe and the state treasurer uh, Jeff DeWitt, who is now uh, the chief uh, of, uh, operating officer for uh, for NASA. NASA. Okay. Yep. So yeah. So uh, he, but uh, Jeff at the time was the state treasurer, 
So I, I have Joe and Jeff in the car. We're the, the, they did an interview. Sean Hannity did an interview in downtown Phoenix and uh, with, with Joe and with uh, President Trump, then Donald Trump. And so what had happened, the demonstrators up in Fountain Hill, which is about 10 miles north of Phoenix, uh, had closed the road. Beautiful they, place. They chained themselves. Yeah, beautiful. They, they had closed the roads to uh, the, you know, to the access roads to the event. So the Secret Service, while Joe and, and Trump are on with, with uh, Sean Hannity, the Secret Service is huddling, and they, they got us off in a huddle, saying it looks like we're going to have to cancel uh, the event because there's demonstrators, and we, we don't want to have a problem, and blah, 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 blah. So uh, so out, Joe walks out of the uh, the taping, uh, <laughs> and and so he, he said to me, he said, we were rolling, and I said, no, it looks like we're not going. He said, what do you mean? So I said the uh, demonstrators will close the road down, and the and Fountain Hills says that's my town. They, and he enforced that. That was uh, he enforced the law there and uh, throughout right. the county. Uh, he said, "What do you mean we're shutting it down?" So I said, "No." So he says he walks over to the Secret Service agent and, and he said, "Somebody's got to have a set of waivos." So I'm not going to use the other term he used. He said, "What do you mean you're shutting this down?" So they said, "Well," so he said, "Where's the SAC, the special agent in charge?" So uh, the the agent that was there, he said, "Oh, uh, the, the, that person's inside with the in the green room with with, uh, with the candidate." So Joe goes storming in into the green room, and and he and he says, "Donald, they're trying to shut the event down." And uh, he said, we ain't, "We're not going to let that happen." He said, "That's my town." He said, "He said somebody's got to grow a pair of wavos." And he said the other word, and purple. The, the agent was a, the agent was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. so, so, so he said. So, so he said, Donald, are you with me? And and he said, whatever you want, Sheriff. So Joe comes back out, gets in the car, says, let's roll. And so he he's talking to the deputies, his deputies that are up by the demonstration. Uh, they they said, Sheriff, they chained themselves to the car doors. He says, cut the doors off and leave them chained to the doors and let them drag them. He said, we're coming. We'll be there in fifteen minutes. Clear the road. So we, we get in the car, and I'm telling you, I'm driving. <clears throat> I'm eight feet behind the car in front of me, and we're driving 70 miles an hour on the side of the road. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. So we, we, we get up to the smaller road that goes up, so we've we got to run 10 miles. And we're running, I mean, like crazy. So Joe is on the phone talking to his, his people, and then uh, MS, MSNBC calls to, to interview him, and he thinks he's talking to CNN. And he's on the phone, and and and, the, and then he's giving orders with with the other phone to his people. So and, and we got there. By the time we got there, they, they had cleared the road. And they arrested the demonstrators, and we rolled into that thing. And and I mean, it was amazing. It was just amazing. But but uh, you know, that was that show. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. I mean, Joe. I've always said Joe's bulletproof. Joe is invincible. I mean, Joe. Uh, if there's such, you know, he, Joe is a miracle man. I mean, he is yep. a guy that has, and I'll use this term, giant brass balls. That guy. That's right. Nothing, yep. nothing intimidates him. Um, That's right. And you know what? That's I right. remember that crazy rally. These people down here, yep. and for people in my audience that don't know, I, you know, um, you know, well, my audience knows I've been to every Trump rally in Arizona, but what my audience doesn't know is this particular Trump rally, on the way to the rally, uh, people were tying themselves to cars 
and not letting Trump supporters pass through to attend the rally, mm-hmm. including, uh, like you said, Trump himself and our pile. I mean, it was absolutely uh, uh, disgusting and outrageous what these people were doing. Some of these people were, didn't even have – were half uh, naked, too, as well. I mean, this was, this was some yep. cra- these are some crazy left-wing lunatic uh, demonstrators. And I tell you, when you're tying yourself to a car protesting – I mean, this was Jesus Christ. This was absolutely yeah. uh, atrocious. Um, yeah. You know, I do want to get into I do want to get into a few things, but I do want a few of my co-hosts to respond. Um, Valerie, yeah. go ahead. Hi, um, I'm really interested in your incredible background. Um, I wanted to ask you about your experience um, with regard to the police. Um, have you found in the last several years or so um, that the young people are being more disrespectful to police, you know, than, you know, years ago. They, uh, uh, Valerie, uh, ask me to say the last sentence you said. I'm concerned about the next generation and whether or not they are being taught to be respectful of police officers and marshals and security people in general. Yeah. Uh, they, well, they, you know, it's what they get at home, and I think if if they're on one side of the equation, half of, not quite half this country um, is is you know they they lean so far left that they're socialists. So mm-hmm. as socialists, they 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 are they are the, the exact opposite of of the patriots. I'm going to call them patriots, and that believe in law and order. They they believe in the completely anti-American. Yeah, completely. And, and, and you know, if, for a future show while we're, we're talking about this, uh, I, I, I want to come back on and talk about the War Powers Act and the Constitutionalists, um, because that will explain a lot of what the divide is. And we don't have time, and I, I can't stay on long enough to discuss this with you. But um, I think after you hear uh, what I got to say about it, you'll understand what's going on. But, what, what Valerie, to answer your question, um, I, I believe that half this country, more, I'd say 60% of this country, respects authority, respects the, the concept of a peace officer, because that's what a police officer is. He's, uh, he or she are there to maintain a peace. That's it. And, uh, and, and then the people that, that are, are, are just uh, uh, they don't believe in any form of, of anything that doesn't, they, they don't agree with. They are the fascists, and so the Antifa are, are, are paradox because they're, they're doing the things that they are accusing us of doing. Now, as a retired police officer, uh, I can tell you that it's inbred in, in, in the system. When you become a police officer, you, uh, most people, not, not everyone, but most, I say 95%, understand that and, and understand that they are there to protect the public. And uh, when when a police officer is attacked or assaulted, the police officer uh, has to react and must react because if if you don't react, you have total anarchy. And so to protect exactly. the country, to protect the security, you have to have that. Now, with, with the young people growing up, you know, it it you, ha- you have to look at what's being portrayed or what's being played on TV, on Netflix, in the movies, in regard to who the police are. Are the police still the good guys? And in most instances, the police are. And what, what's starting to happen now are the conservatives are starting to produce movies. And like with Stephen and I, we're writing books 
that are going to be turned into movies. Um, and and, you and we, we write it from the, yeah, Steve, Steven Seagal and, and, and Tom Morrissey are, are in the process of doing that. And uh, the, the thing is, we, we, we write, what we write, what we create is from the point of view of a, of a conservative, of a police officer. Right. We, we, right. You know, we both be cops. We know that. So right. to answer your, your question, Valerie, uh, I, I think with the, the youth will respect, uh, will respect the police, but there's going to be less of them doing that. That's an amazing thing that you're doing because I think that will make a huge difference. You know, just like talk radio, you know, has, you know, brought in the Republican, the conservative side. I think the movies will make a huge difference. And um, I wanted, I also wanted to ask you real quick about no go zone, um, because I know there are places in the United States where police officers are not comfortable going um, because it's too dangerous. Um, yeah. yeah. Do they, you have any yeah. knowledge of this, and do you think well, what can be done about it? Well, in in areas of Michigan, um, there, you know, there's areas there that, that are under Sharia law right now, but that's going away because President Trump, you, with ICE, uh, and, and ICE is is a very very uh, effective tool, are taking those areas down. The the uh, Trump will not allow this to happen. It, you know, it, it was it was encouraged and built by Obama, and uh, the eight years that we spent under Obama are uh, was so regressive to to even to the Constitution that it, it takes a lot of undoing. And they're fighting like crazy to stop him to stop our president from doing that. But our president is not an ordinary president. He's not an ordinary man. And he and he's getting the job done. That's why I, I, I say and I stress to everybody, we have to stand with this man in every way we can and do not back up an inch. Stand with him because he's fighting for the life of this country. And and thank God we got him. And thank God we got Mad Dog Mattis right there with him because he's doing the same yeah. thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it really is incredible. Um, you know what what you're doing with these books with Steven Seagal, and you're going to turn them into movies. And for people that don't know, um, Tom Tom and Steven Seagal's latest book is The Way of the Shadow Wolves: The Deep State and the Hijacking of America. It's also forwarded by Sheriff Joe Arpaio, America's toughest sheriff, and. Uh, so, Tom, you're going to be doing multiple books like this, and you're going to be making them into in, in the movies, huh? Yeah, well, Stephen's turning them into movies. Uh, we're co-writing the books, and uh, so the, we're working on the sequel right now. I, I just finished up a book, uh, a comedy yeah. book that, that I wrote about my parents' candy store in Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> nice. circa 1970. Uh, and that, that, I'm done with that, so now we're, we're beginning – the second book, and the first book raised a lot of eyebrows. Wait till the second book comes out. The establishment yeah. that left is going to hate the book. It's going to hate it. And oh, go ahead, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, because we're going to expose a, a whole bunch of things, a whole yeah. bunch of things, a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah. going to do and, it and in the know, novel. Yeah, and yeah. this first book, I'll tell you, you really. Talk about stories and that are relevant in our everyday life. I mean, that are happening. You know, they're not exactly 
with names or things that have happened, but they are scenarios of what people have gone through and what the deep state is doing and all of this nasty stuff. So it's a book that everybody can resonate with. And it's, you know, in a lot, it's a fiction, yeah, sure, it's, it's, a, it's a fiction book, but it's the closest thing to reality as a fiction book can get because it's explaining a lot of what we're dealing with. Yeah, and, and the, the, the thing that's eerie about it, though, Rory and uh, Valerie, is that we, we wrote in the book a year before it happened about the massacre in, uh, uh, that happened Las in Las Vegas. Vegas. We yeah. wrote a year, uh, uh, actually a year and a half before that, before the book was released, I'm saying this, um, right. We, right at the early stage, we wrote about, uh, about the corruption in the FBI and what yeah. a corrupted what corrupted uh, law, what law enforcement agencies that are corrupt the damage that they do and uh, and, and it, it it goes into the only way that the lead character John Godet survives is because he's a shadow wolf he's native american and he has the shadow wolves which do exist i mean they they are they they are uh, law enforcement and trackers in native communities, but they're they're a blood they have a blood bond, and and that's what what helps Godet to survive, and um, and so and we take him to the next level in the next book, where he he becomes a, the first Native American U.S. marshal, presidentially appointed U.S. marshal, because the sure. first book is about Obama, the, what happened during the Obama administration. The second book is about what's happening. During the Trump administration and how that's how law enforcement is being treated. See, so yeah, and, and Josh, go ahead. I know you have questions. Go ahead, Josh, my co-host. Go ahead, Kalavati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a specific question uh, about your just what you did during the campaign as running for mayor because it seems like you had a little bit of everything against you, and especially with the establishment against you. I'm very, very interested to listen to what strategy you move forward with because here in Ohio where I'm from, it's all about, can you beat the establishment or not? So I'm curious to hear what, what kind of strategy you use. Well, I'll tell you one of my greatest weapons was Ted Nugent. Ted, Ted did a video for me that we used on social media and, and uh, on, on uh, paid radio. He's a good friend of yours and uh, Arpaios. And Arpaios. Yeah. Ted, Ted's a good buddy. And uh, and then uh, we wh- what we did was uh, the conservatives uh, in in the town um, band bonded me. I, I probably started out with a group of thirty people who who went to work for me. They put up signs. Uh, they got me in front of, of different groups in town. I mean, so many different groups. I went out in the morning. I'd go. A lot of people walked the park. I went out in the morning, walked the park. I handed. I had business cards made up. <clears throat> that had my platform on, and I handed that out to workers in the morning. Uh, I went to senior centers. I talked to seniors. I went. I walked into businesses, talked to businesses, got, got their points of view. Uh, I, I went to every public meeting that uh, that would would let me uh, be there and and talk. I was on the radio talking. They have a, a forum on the local uh, radio station. Everybody listens to. I was on that four times uh, during the campaign for an hour each time. Um, <clears throat> I was. I, I also have a radio show. I, I do a music radio show here on another station, so I'm the presence there. But I, I didn't. Uh, it's, it's not a, a political thing, so I, I, I did that. And uh, 
and, and it was you know the people out talking on on, uh, on my behalf um and and i was uh, you know the it, it, it was a concerted effort but it but what it, it also was it was a very uh the unpopular thing going on in this town that that where the town was going to lose a uh, a park one of the two parks and they were going to be on the hook for possibly a, a major a major bill because of that. So we we stopped that in its tracks with uh, two propositions, and then, um, but they, it, that was all part of of the campaign. So whatever you're doing in Ohio, um, the the thing I advise uh, you, any activity or any political activism that you do there is that is that you stay on the side of the truth, and and you don't back down. You, you stay, you stay with that. But uh, Rory, I'm going to have to go. I, I apologize uh, to you, and I and I uh, I'd love to come back on the show and uh, maybe spend an hour next time and, and talk about this war powers thing as opposed to the Constitution. It's going to open your eyes uh, a, a great deal, and anybody listening, uh, it, it's a scary, scary thing that's going on. But I think that now that we know about it, we're getting the word out. So. Uh, you, you need to know this, and all conservatives need to know it and understand, you know, what's happening. But anyway, I, I got to sign off. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I I have uh, so much going on, and uh, I, I I left the town uh, hall meeting tonight to get here in time to be on the show, and now I've, I've got another you. committee. Uh, you know, but uh, thank you all, and thank you, Rory. Hey, hey before you go, Tom. Thank you. Tom, yeah. before you go, real quick. Yes. I just want to say yeah. a few a few things. First of all, I'm very proud of you. You're 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 as down to earth as they get. You're I'm, I'm I'm happy to call you a friend. Um, you've yes. uh, you, you know you and you're do. a very you're a very inspiring uh, political uh, influence. And I know you're going to shine a lot of light and bring a lot of good to the table uh, as mayor. And you. you know um, economically, uh, are there a lot of things that need to be fixed up as well up there? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, prioritization really. The, the uh, economics in the town, they, the the uh, they're, they're very skewed. We, we need to level the playing field and put the money where it, the money needs to be spent, not not where it it uh, it enhances political favoritism. We, we, that's doing that's coming to a screeching halt. So, <clears throat> yeah. So we, we, we we're going to manage this town a whole lot better, and it's being managed. So. Uh, right, Dan. Right. I hope Absolutely. that answers your question. Yeah. Very, very well said. And 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 I know you got to go. And um, real quick, I, I want I want to know your thoughts. What's your the last thing about the Trump whole investigation with Mueller? I want to know. You know, you've been paying attention to the news lately. Um, you know, there there's not. I mean, if Mueller had something, it would have already came out. I mean, you you see the kind of punishments they're giving. Uh, you know, Papadopoulos only got 14 days in prison. Um, you know, Manafort right. is getting charged for something totally separate that's involved with taxes, nothing to do with Trump. I mean, you really don't right. have – there's nothing there. It's a witch hunt. I mean, how do you no. describe it? it, it's, a, it it's, a, it's a witch hunt. You know, Rudy Giuliani, I'm glad Rudy's the uh, the, the attorney right I know Rudy, and I've known him for a long time, and they couldn't have a better guy by his side. And they they got they have nothing, and that's what I'm saying. They they're trying to take down, they're trying to undo an election, uh, the the will of the people, and uh, they they have no idea who they're dealing with. Donald Trump is unlike anybody that's ever been in the White House. Anybody, 
anybody. And uh, they, he, he's three jumps ahead of them. But the main thing is we cannot back off in our support for him. We've got to support him. He'll do what needs to be done, and he'll, he'll do it in a way that will be effective. But, uh, you know, Mueller is going to wind up in jail. Mueller and Rod Rosenstein, and when all of this is done, uh, uh, you know, along the Strzok and, and, uh, uh, and uh, so many, Comey and so many of those people, you know, God Almighty. But, but, but anyway, just, you know, keep the faith. Stay strong and back our president. Do not for it back up an inch because we'll, we'll lose the country if we do. But we're, we're going to be okay. God's watching over us. So uh, God bless Absolutely. you all, and uh, and I'll, we'll talk again. And, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to everybody. Yeah, and Tom, it's all it's always a pleasure, and thank you for coming on. And uh, I look forward to having you back very soon. Okay. You got it. You got it, brother. All right. I'll be there. Cheers. Right, take Have care. Okay. Bye now. Okay. All right. God bless you. Bye now. Tom Morrissey, everybody. A legend. This, what a legend. I mean, honestly, I could talk to that guy for hours and hours. And him and I have had so many discussions. Um, very good friend of mine. I met him through uh, Joe Arpaio. Um, but what a, what a life he's led. Huh, guys? He's fantastic. I, you know what I really like is that how much he talked about basically when I asked him about his campaign strategy, his campaign strategy was basically – outworking the not only the other person running against him, but the whole entire party backing him. He basically just outdid the other guy. So I mean, that just goes yeah. to show that and, and he was in the right you know, he was in the right place at the right time too, with he answered people's questions that people wanted answers to. He didn't just throw political, you know, BS at them. Right. No, absolutely. You're you're one you're one hundred percent correct and um it's uh you know, he's the type of guy that's gonna get the job done and I love what he's doing with the police uh, department, uh, you know, making that one of the number one priorities, you know, you, you, and more mayors need to go do that. I mean, there's too many mayors in this country that are anti-police. We see with the left and, you know, we see all of these people disrespecting police officers and, you know, all this, all this crime. And um, this is awesome. What he's doing. I love, I love his flow. I love his agenda. I love uh, everything he stands for. And uh, he's a true patriot. I'll tell you, Valerie, though, your thoughts. I could have talked to him for an hour just about one of those questions that we asked. I mean, he has so much information, and it's just not, you know, it's just not enough time. I know he's a busy guy, and, you know, he gave us a lot of time. But, I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge that could really advise other mayors around the country because he's coming into the job ready to start running the first day. And so many places around the United States, you know, people kind of learn as they go. And I think he'll have a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I'm so, and I knew he was going to win. I had a really good feeling. I mean, he had definitely all the, the proper credentials, um, you know, and uh, that I, there's no other guy, you know, for the job. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and you talk about his life and his background with Seagal, you know, uh, all these books they're writing together, they're making them into movies. He was a, a U.S. marshal. Um, he's a martial artist. Uh, a very good martial artist. Um, he, he's also Tom's also a musician. I mean, they, there's a lot. This guy has lived a hell of a life. I'll tell you. This guy has done stuff overseas. He's worked closely with Arpaio. So there's some really cool things. And I'm, I'm I was very excited to talk to him tonight. And uh, we got a lot of uh, great information. And 
and the audience um, is very happy. Um, I, uh, I'm getting good feedback uh, through social media and stuff. So uh, this guy, uh, yes, absolutely. Thank you, Tom Morrissey. Um, so what I want to get to, though, um, which is very important, I want to talk about we're going to get to the hurricane stuff uh, shortly. Uh, we got to talk about Hurricane Florence. Uh, it's now uh, moving to a, a five, a level five, uh, in terms of, um, uh, you know, how extensive it is, uh, which is scary. So we need to pray for all of these victims. Um, you know, this is not no joke. Um, what I do want to um, do right now is uh, it looks like we have our next special guest calling in. I was just going to get to a topic, but let's, uh, let's introduce our next special guest. Uh, hello, scientist. Hello, uh, we have scientist, climate change expert, professor, geography master, public speaker, best-selling author, Dr. Timothy Ball. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. It's good. To, it's good to have you on the show. Welcome. Um, your fir- uh, it's your first time on. Um, very happy to have you here. Um, okay. I, I want to go over a lot of things with you. You know, you. Um, were a professor of um, geography for many years and, and climate. Yeah, exactly. I was in the geography department because in, in the early days, before climate became a political issue, uh, all of climate studies were done in geography departments. And um, so this is, this is uh, why I was in that department. But um, yeah. And, of course, a lot of the people that have the, what they call the hard science people, the physicists, try to put that down and say, oh, you don't understand the science. It's not true at all. But uh, anyway, yeah, that, that's my background. And, and yeah. I can add to that. By the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, you know, oh no, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated by the stuff you're going to say. I mean, you've been doing this stuff since the 70s, studying all this science. Oh, 60s. No, oh, even earlier. Wow, even, long, even better. Even better. Yeah, well, I'll tell you why. Because I served nine years in the Canadian Air Force. Four years Thank ago, you. Hey, were in even, though, even though I don't live in Canada, any military member, I always thank them for their service. I'm very pro-military. So, you know, God bless you, sir, for sacrificing yourself uh, for your country and having that courage and going out on that battlefield. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And, and, of course, Canadians don't treat their veterans anywhere near as well as the Americans do. But um, I was actually... That, you know why? Because that, of the why? soy boy, Wimpy Trudeau. God, I, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. I know. Well, we're, we're, we're having to put up with him. And, and unfortunately... It, the uh, feminist. He's, he's, he's a feminist. He's, a, he's an admitted feminist. This guy, uh, uh, you know what? This guy doesn't have any balls. There is something wrong with this guy. This guy walks like he's and – and I, you know what? I will say my radio show is uncensored, so I'm going to say what I am going to say. He walks like he has a dick up his ass. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, that, that had to be said, but this guy and the, the, the policies he puts into place with enabling terrorism, enabling all of these illegals, I mean, very anti-business, very anti-military, very anti, you know, anti – science on what real science is you know there, there's a lot yep. of issues there 
Oh, uh, totally, and and uh, and of course uh, he he's only the prime minister of Canada because his father was. He yes. he was trained as a he was trained trained as a drama teacher, and of course that's right. the performance that he puts on every every day. But <laughs> yep. He, yep. he he is proof to Americans why you got rid of the monarchy, because uh, mm-hmm. Trudeau was uh, I didn't get to vote for him. No Canadian got to vote for him. He was elected by his party, and only 80% of them uh, elected him as their leader, and then the party won only 38% of the popular vote. So he probably only represents uh, uh, support from about uh, 28% of Canadians. And the other thing that um, Americans don't know about Canada— Whoa, 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 whoa. Go back back for a second. This is interesting. This is really interesting. So you're telling me that this was not a fair and balanced election. The, the people did not get their say. Exactly. We, we're not allowed to have our say. That's that's why you got rid of the monarchy and this uh, power elite system. I mean, just to show you how bad it is in Canada, we have a Senate, but the Senate is appointed by the prime minister, and it has 107 members non-elected, appointed by the prime minister, and they have the power to overturn votes by the people's elected House of Parliament. So in other words, if, they, if the people in power don't like what the people in the, in the parliament uh, who are elected have said, this Senate can overrule it. That's how bad it is here. And that's, of course, the system you got rid of. Jesus Christ, man. I did not know yep. this stuff. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't pay, I mean, I don't really pay close attention to Canadian politics. I mean, I, I do see a lot of the, a lot of the uh, crazy shit and antics that comes out about Justin Trudeau, that some of the things that, uh, you know, he tries to, uh, you know, coordinate and, and, and narrate. I mean, this guy is, uh, is a total uh, farce. Uh, you know, remember when he said... Real quick, not remember when he said, "Not we're not saying mankind anymore. We're going to say people kind." <laughs> right. Okay, but his father was. Uh, uh, they're both socialists. He and his father. His father yep. uh, visited in China with Mao Zedong back in the 30s, and had a very strong affinity with with uh, China. He he ran as a liberal because he was in the Socialist Party and he knew he could never get to be Prime Minister as, as, uh, in, in that party. So he, he became a liberal. He simply, you know, it, it's almost like uh, people in the States uh, taking on a particular party in order to get the power. And, 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 and you uh, know what I said to everyone real quick? I want to slightly interrupt you. Being, yeah. a liberal in t- being a liberal in today's society is not the same as being a liberal when Kennedy was president in the U.S. It's so much oh, no. different today. No, and, and uh, the, the whole gamut from communist to Marxist to socialist to um, progressive to, uh, to liberal, they are all people who want ultimately total government control. Right. Some of them want it right. right away, instantly, and others are prepared to just work on it until they can get total government control. But the other yeah. thing I should point out to you is Canada was created by people that were living in the United States under the British monarchy who did not want to be in a republic. And they all yeah. fled across the border into Canada, and they, they're a group called the United Empire Loyalists. 
Just, so just yeah. think about that t- that title, United Empire Loyalists. And they pr- they comprised almost all the population of eastern Canada, and they still dominate uh, what goes on in Canada. So you've got a country up here that was created by people who did not want to be Americans. And so, of course, that's why you see such an anti-American attitude uh, amongst the Canadians and Canadian leaders. Uh, now, it's starting to change a little bit, but it's still uh, very, very right. deeply uh, rooted. Right, and, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, going back to what I said about, you know, being a liberal in today's yep. society is not is not the same as when JFK was president. Back then, they called liberals like that. The real liberal term is called a classic liberal, which basically means, a um, you know you're a lot of pro-Trump policies. Uh, if JFK were alive today, he you know he would be a Trump supporter. He would definitely not align with uh, what the the far le- what the Democratic Party has turned into, which is totally far left communism, socialism. Uh, it's, there's no moderates anymore. I mean, there's no there's no in between. You're either pro-Trump, right wing, or you're far left, Barack Hussein Osama. And for all the for all the you know the the crazy communist politicians. What? But there's a reason for that. See, one of the things that has happened, and the liberal you're talking about is like so many people, Americans, and even quite a lot of Canadians that I have know, left the Democratic Party. Well, they left the exactly, but but what that what they are, and this is what Trump appealed to. They're fiscally conservative, but they have yep. a social sense of responsibility. They just and, don't yep. think that the government should be doing all of it, and that's exactly. the difference that's occurred. Now, what's happened, of course, is that uh, we now have. Only uh, the only people, whether it's Britain or Canada or the United States, you have professional politicians. They start out in high school and then they go to the school boards and then they go to the municipal and then they work their way up. They become professional politicians and their whole objective is to get as high up the ladder as they can go and get elected twice, grab the pension and 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 uh, go into the sunset. And of course, yeah. what you get with what what happens with that is when you get professional politicians, they polarize. They go either to the right, and you saw that with some of the extreme Tea Party people, or they go to the extreme left, like you see with what's happening with Bernie Sanders and and uh, uh, Cortez and so on in the United States. That leaves a yes. whole group of people in the in the middle who are simply saying, "Well, who represents us?" Well, of course, Trump came in, recognized this, and said, I don't care about the 20% on the left. I don't care about the 20% on the right. I want to represent the 60% in the middle. And that's exactly right. what's happening. Now, the same. this is also going on because of Trump. It's going on throughout Europe. Europeans are getting tired of exactly Look the same Brexit. thing. Brexit's an yep. example. Exactly. Exactly, and it's going on in Hungary and Italy and Poland and, and, a, yep. and a Italy, strong movement and, and in Italy, Italy is now getting so really conservative. I mean, Italy is really yep. – uh, they're electing a bunch of conservative officials. And, um, you know, what I do want to mention – I want Valerie. I know you had a question, Valerie. Go ahead. Go ahead, Valerie. Thanks, Rory. Hi. I, I actually – I'm interested in going back to Trudeau because you were talking about how – um, the the I don't know what's called the Senate the the people that are um, that are elected to 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 serve the citizens can override 
um, whatever they voted on. Can they do the same thing for Trudeau? Well, uh, there's no impeachment process in 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 Canada. It, that it what's about to happen? Yeah, the the only way that Trudeau could be thrown out is if his party loses a vote uh, 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 on a financial vote, and then that becomes a uh, a loss of of. Uh, faith in the party and he would have to resign but um, yes. the, the and he's dangerously close to that because even his own party are uh, frightened with the level of deficit that he's building I mean he's spending money like it's unbelievable the rate at which he's spending money and uh, but the other thing about Canada and the, and Trudeau that where he's running into trouble is that um, each province is designed or, or designated as either a half province, that is, that it performs above a certain level and therefore it's a successful province, or it's a have-not province, it's performing below a certain financial level. The Canadian government takes the money from the, pe- the provinces that are successful and gives it to the provinces that are failing. It's the most massive federal transfer of wealth, socialist transfer of wealth, that you can imagine. And of course, uh, what's happening now is because of Trudeau and because the socialists are in control in most of the Canadian provinces, all of their all of their economies are failing, and so there's none of them putting money into this central pot. And so the whole country is on the verge of bankruptcy. Are they blaming yeah, Trudeau unbelievable. for that? Yeah, the, the, a lot of the people are blaming Trudeau for that, yes. And, and by the way, so your, your comment... Uh, uh, you need to look at his wife. Um, his wife is uh, uh, there's uh, in Canada, in Ottawa. We have a house called 24 Sussex Drive. It's the equivalent. It's equivalent to the White House. She refused to live in it, and uh, even though the government offered to to do, fix it up with a 16 million dollar grant, she said, "No, I won't live there." So it's like Melania wow. Trump saying, "I won't live in the White House," and then. Uh, she was the one that also was arranging uh, trips on private jets uh, for him, paid by the Aga Khan, who's one of the wealthiest people in the world. And they were flying to all sorts of resorts around the world. And, of course, that's a, a no-no for politicians here, as much as it is, in fact, probably more so here in a socialist country than it is in the U.S. So, um, yeah, the whole, the whole family is a total disaster. But ultimately, do you think they'll actually be um, taken down, or is it just going to be a race to the end of his administration? Well, it'll be it'll be a race to the end, and uh, I think we, yeah. he's got a, a year and a half before he has to call an election, and and yeah. so. Uh, but um, a, the election date is is set, but he can extend that by several months if he chooses to, and he can determine when the next election could, could be, so he could hang on. But I don't think, uh, as I see it, uh, the way that um, he's governing and because of the financial uh, failures, uh, that he's, he's going to survive. He'll get booted out. The problem is that you put the conservatives in, and, and conservatives in Canada are, are equivalent to your left-wing Democrats. I mean, you know, to compare, uh, to suggest that there's anything like a right-wing Republican in Canada just doesn't exist. <laughs> You know, I want to know your that explains why Trump wasn't so excited about doing a trade um a trade um deal with, with, with NAFTA. Trudeau. Yeah, yeah with oh, NAFTA. of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what 
I want I want to get into that. That's very important. Uh, I want to talk about that with you as well, and we're going to get into the whole hurricane stuff. Um, but yeah. Josh, go ahead. I know you had a question. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea that the Canadian political system worked like that. That's unbelievable. Like I knew I knew that there wasn't the same ideas of, of what freedom was in Canada, but from the sounds of it, you have no freedom whatsoever. And this is where. The, you know, uh, I, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's up from Canada as well that yep. spoke so vocally yep. out against uh, the pronoun, um, you know, issue that came up. I actually get to see him in Cleveland in about a week uh, here. But uh, how many people are there? I mean, and he's not even really a conservative. He just, you know, thinks rationally. I, and as you were saying about real conservatives, is there really enough of a remnant of people in Canada that are fiscally conservative specifically that there could be some sort of shift in the political system. Yeah, uh, there there are a few people, uh, but most of them are in Western Canada. And because one of the things that happened was that just like the United States, you formed in the East and then you expanded Westward. Um, and, uh, uh, British Columbia on the west coast of Canada is like California, except that it's much more socialist. But um, by by the time that people got onto the prairies, Alberta, for example, is is far more conservative than any of the rest of Canada. In fact, the, the, the snide remark is that Calgary is Dallas North. And, and of course, it's because uh, Alberta has all of the resources and, and has, has worked to develop those resources. Since P- Trudeau's father, Pierre Trudeau, he hated the West so much because they were, they were questioning his socialism. And, and, and what happened was that he actually uh, worked against Western Canada, and a Western Canada separation movement developed. Now, you've heard about Quebec wanting to separate, um, uh, but there, there is e- an equally large Western Canada separation movement, and it has ro- risen up again now because of, of the new Trudeau in, in there. And so uh, there, there are an awful lot of people in Western Canada that would, would split Canada pretty well down the middle, actually just uh, uh, at the Great Lakes there, and you'd have Eastern Canada and Western Canada. And I think if that happened, Quebec would separate as well. But uh, let me just fill you in on, on, on uh, the background of Canada. Canada. I gave a talk in Phoenix, Arizona, a year ago, November, and I pointed and that, out that's where, that that's where hey, that's where I live. That's where I live. That's where uh, I mean, I I live I live in Phoenix, but my co-host right. uh, is uh, one of them right now on the phone is in Maryland. The other one's in Ohio. Well, that's a good representation of the country. But I was I spoke at a conference called uh, the Freedom uh, Freedom for All uh, conference. I know it, and I know it yeah, well. When, when was this? Was this March? No, I, they were in Spokane, Washington this March, but a year ago, November, they were in Phoenix, and I, I was privileged to be a speaker at that. And one of the my speech was all about. Um, uh, well, it was around the use of climate for pushing a socialist political agenda. We can talk about that in a minute. But, you know, Rush Limbaugh, and I'm uh, a, a huge fan of Rush Limbaugh's, but there's a couple of things that I disagree with him about. One is that when he says, follow the money, that is only true for people that are bought off or are in lower financial circumstances. It is not true for people that are very wealthy. Uh, the, 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 for the wealthy, it's all about power, 
And so you see Soros and all of these people, they want the power. They know the wealth will come with it. But right. that's where you really need to follow is follow the money at a certain level, but the power at another level. The other the other thing I disagree with Rush with is that um, he said that um, America is the uh, last hope for freedom in the in the world, and I disagree. It's the first and the only hope for freedom in the world, because the Good comments point. that I've made to you all about Canada is. Uh, uh, People in America don't understand. And by the way, uh, Obama went around the world with his apology tour, and one of the things he did on that apology tour was he we kept call, telling the, show, the world. By the way, we call, we, on the show, we call him Barack Hussein Osama, but keep going. <laughs> okay. But one of the things that he went around the world telling the world was that American exceptionalism meant that Americans thought they were superior to everybody else. That was his. That was his message to the world. And of course, as you and I know, American exceptionalism means that you've got the most unique form of government in the world. Uh, the first thing is the free speech. No other country in the world has free speech. Canada does not have free speech, and I'll give you proof of that. I've made comments about global warming, and it, and I have three lawsuits against me filed here in Canada. Tell me, tell me, it, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, and, and continue with your point, but I want you to bring up shortly after you finish this, you won recently a big judgment lawsuit, a libel in court, uh, 2018, just recently, uh, a couple months ago. But continue yep. your story, then tell us about that. Okay, well, I, I've, I've made comments publicly about the global warming and, and how it's a great deception and everything else. I got three lawsuits, all from the same lawyer, all from members of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And they were lawsuits, they were lawsuits that wouldn't even have been considered in the United States because of your free speech. And, and uh, now, uh, uh, what, what they do is... It, and this, this, by the way, is part of what you've got to watch is happening in the U.S. They're using the law uh, to sh silence people, to shut them up. And they can do it just by bringing a lawsuit because the cost of defending yourself is beyond what virtually anybody can afford. It's already cost me $600,000 in legal bills, and I've only, uh, only won one of the lawsuits so far. I have another one to go, so it's going to be well over a million dollars by the time I'm finished. Uh, the one that I won uh, was, be was because uh, they, the judge ruled that uh, my comments were, were not defamatory, that they were fair comments. So that they're, that they're touting is, oh, that's support for free speech. But it really isn't, um, uh, as I said, because I had to fight legally and pay a lot of money to get that ruling. And they're now appealing that ruling, and it's going to cost me money to, de to defend against the appeal. Um, so the free speech thing, there's a reason that the Founding Fathers set up the Second Amendment, and that was to yes. defend the First Amendment. Yes. Totally and absolutely. And no, I was going to say, and, and, and people forget that the, the Second Amendment was not to defend against foreign governments, but for the people to defend the, themselves against their own governments becoming dictatorial. That's the critical thing. We don't have that here in Canada, and, and uh, they tried to bring in a free speech uh, law uh, in Canada, and then they said, well, we're, you can't say hate speech. Well, of course, that didn't work. And by the way, I'm, when I talk about free speech, I mean free speech. You cannot modify it in any way. Oliver Wendell Holmes, the American jurist, he said, oh, you can't shout fire 
in a crowded theater. He's wrong. You can shout fire in the crowded theater. Where they're failing and what he's failing to see is if you do that, you must then be held accountable for what your actions create. And it's the failure to hold people accountable that is, the, is one of the major failings in the U.S. right now. Right. Wow, that's yeah, an amazing is, point. Can I ask you a question about it real quick, Rory? Is it okay? Yeah, go ahead, Valerie. Well, because I find what you just said was um, very insightful, and I, I wanted to talk to you about what about Facebook and Google and all these, um, all of these big companies that now are talking about what is where is the line between free speech and incitement. So sh- would, should those companies be held accountable if they allow those things to be on their sites, or should they only take down things that, like you said, if you're if you're yelling fire or you're inciting in some way? Well, of course, what what they're doing is is they're exploiting the idea that a private company can set its own rules. I don't agree with that, and it's the same thing. If if you want to be absolutist about this, I don't uh, believe that we should have privacy or secrecy. It, what, what, why should anything be hidden? The reason that you hide it is because you're ashamed of it. And and as I as I wrote in an article the other day, that all of the devil's work is done in the darkness. Not just bits of it, all of it. And and so, uh, you know, the reason that you want something private or secret is because, you know, you're embarrassed about it or that you might be doing something illegal that somebody could see you. Why shouldn't it all be laid out there? Uh, but, but of course, uh, the lawyers and all of these uh, people arguing about, oh, well, no, that's private, that's secret. You know, if you've got a medical record uh, – what, what are you embarrassed because you got the you know a, a, a sexually transmitted disease on there? That's only because a, a society has made it embarrassing to have that. But that's perfectly normal. Uh, but society has put a stigma on it, and therefore, oh, well, I've got to have privacy. No, nothing. I've got nothing. I've I've got to hide at all. I don't care what it is. And if it's your tax form. You're you're taking that money out of the society. You should not ever be uh, afraid to disclose exactly how much you're making uh, 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 in that system. So you cannot uh, compromise on uh, on free speech. You either have it or you don't. End of story. And that includes with these private companies. And as I said, they're hiding behind the fact that, oh, well, we're a private company and we can we can uh, uh, set rules within our private company. No, not when you're out, when you're in the public forum. If you're working in the public forum, you must follow the rules that the public follow. End of story. Yeah. So if they continue taking down conservative um, information or conservative sites, um, then to me they're en- they're not a public um, entity anymore. They're now uh, like a like a newspaper. They they have to be accountable for what's on there. Well, of course, this is a, in a way this is very similar, uh, where you've got um, what look like good. Uh, uh, capitalist enterprises like Airbnb or Uber taxis, but look at what's going on there. Uh, the the uh, hotels and the other taxis have to follow strict rules and buy insurance and, and have all the other things, but these others uh, can basically get away with it. Now, I prefer that you take all of those rules and regulations off of everybody. You know, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things we could talk about with this hurricane, the government are enabling people to live in areas where there are hurricanes, and they're doing that. Uh, 
the, the only place in the U.S. where you can get flood insurance is from the government. Private insurance won't cover it. Why? Wow. Because if you live in a floodplain, you're going to get flooded. Right? And why should I have to pay for your stupidity? And, and he, you make you make a really good point on so many things. And you know, I want to I want to go back a little bit to yep. what you were saying about free speech and you know how Trudeau. You know, and, and I don't know exactly. Can you please refresh my memory? Uh, when Harper left, when did Trudeau come in? Well, uh, he, he came in about four years ago, and Harper oh. uh, stepped down. Yep. Okay, now let me let me ask you this: Is there term limits up there? When will Trudeau be done? Oh, he could go forever. Oh Jesus Christ! It's like it's like dictatorship. Okay, but listen to this though. Let me ask you: When Harper was in office, do you think Harper? uh, And I know I know Steve I know Stephen Harper was a conservative. From what I know, I mean I don't know if he was a rhino or a fake conservative. But did you see uh, all of this? Muslim craziness, all of this illegal alien crap, all of this, uh, you know, hatred and censorship on free speech. Did you see all of this different crazy social justice warrior views that Trudeau's bringing forward and creating this chaos in the Canada environment with this bull BS? Well, no, it, it wasn't uh, partly because, of course, it, it really hadn't started in Europe, uh, which is where the whole rot began. But but um, uh, Harper uh, was much more conservative, but that's only relative to Trudeau. That That's certainly not conservative relative to the United States. And what, what Harper did was what all policy – this is why I talk about professional politicians – uh, whenever he, he he was he was shown in the polls because of of his policies that all of the poll uh, or not the, the polls were showing he was going to win because most Canadians uh, like as I said earlier are small c conservative that is that they are fiscally conservative and they they want to accept social responsibility for people that are not able to cope because of of physical or other handicaps but Harper. Uh, every time that he that there was an election called, he'd move towards the center. That is, he, he'd become more socialist, and he ended up losing. He lost two elections in a row, even though the polls were showing it. Then when he finally said, no, I'm a conservative, they elected him. But once he got into office, um, he, did a, he did a lot of sensible things. But when he thought that he was losing the, the vote of the, the Canadian people, he started becoming more socialist again, and that's what, why, they, why he lost, why they booted him out. In other words, uh, the beauty of Trump is that Trump is Trump. And I, I've said this for many, for many years. Better He's his own guy. He, uh, nobody can control him. He makes his own decisions. It, exactly. And I've said this for years. Better the bigot in front of me than the liberal behind me. Because the bigot, yep. I know where he is. I can deal with it. I can cope with that, just like prejudice and biases. But the liberal behind me is patting me on the back, and he's got a knife up his sleeve. Right. And, and, that's and we, have the, too, we, we have too many sensitive people in, in, you know, in this country, in Canada, that get their feelings hurt too much. And I've always made the comparison and you know this sort of terminology that – you know, I'd rather go see the asshole dentist who knows what he's doing than go see a, a, a nice suck-up dentist who gives me a, a, you know, a shitty, does a shitty job. You know what I mean? I, but, well, exactly. but Trump, Trump is a great guy. Trump is the greatest guy. 
but let's just say for argument's sake, like the left thinks he's just terrible. Like they, they, they just, it's, it's so pathetic. But what are the excuses they use? For example, they say, oh, well, he, 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 he looks disheveled in a suit. Well, sorry, we had a lot of guys in smart suits. Well, how did they do work out for you? You know, I right. mean, I always remember, I don't know if you guys can remember back this, but the Palestinian organization with Yasser Arafat that was running it. And he always looked right. totally disheveled, and he had that burqa that he wore on his head and everything, right. and he had a, a stubble beard, yeah. and nobody liked right. him. Okay, yeah. but but uh, he was actually not unreasonable man. But his second in command, a guy I've forgotten his name exactly. I think it was George Michael. But he always yeah. wore, as an Arab, he always wore a three-piece suit, including a vest, a vest, and he always looked impeccably dressed. He was a. Everybody thought, oh, what a great guy he is. He was a ruthless killer. Absolutely right. ruthless killer. And so this whole idea about persona and image, and, and of course, um, you know, Benjamin Franklin said it. You know, here comes the orator with his uh, fancy words and his, his lack of substance. And, and that's right. exactly what you're saying. Yeah, pe- people want honesty in politicians, and Trump, right. of course, is providing that. Yeah, and you know what? Like, you know, people, it's insane that, I mean, you know, if you really look at what's going on here, you have the lowest black unemployment in history. You have the lowest Hispanic unemployment in history. You have the lowest Asian unemployment in history. You also have the lowest female unemployment in history. What the fuck are these people protesting? He did that all in one year with his magic. And you know what? Oh, oh, you know what? Obama tried to say, how is Trump going to do all this with his magic wand? Yes, motherfucker, he does have a magic wand because he had to cut over 800 of your regulations, Osama, in order to create this perfect economy, which, which Trump did. He, Trump had to cut okay. over 800 of Osama's regulations, now it's like near, near 1,000, to make this happen. All of this low, you know, all these record numbers, biggest stock market ever. I mean, Trump did all of this in one year. And Osama had the record of highest, you know, unemployment, highest welfare records, highest food stamps, highest, you know, all this crap that was nothing but communism. Well, what what they do is, is and what uh, Osama bin, uh, or uh, Barack Hussein Obama was doing was deliberately uh, causing failures and then saying, oh, you need the government to come in and bail you yeah. out. That, yeah. This, this battle is going on right now with um, what the Democrats are doing, and they're calling in uh, Google and Facebook and all of it. And yeah. uh, what they're saying, they're, and, and, and by the way, uh, with the uh, uh, I can hardly say his name anymore, Obama, with his net neutrality. <laughs> what net neutrality him. was all about, oh, these internet providers are ripping you off, and you're not able to protect yourself against them, so it, yeah. we better let the government take it over, and we'll look after you. This yeah. is what and they do you, with everything. Yeah, and if you look at numbers, Obama yeah. is by far the worst president in history, statistic-wise. Yeah. He, he okay. And you know what? At one point, it was Jimmy Carter. But he yeah. kind of, he makes Jimmy Carter look like a saint in a, in a sense, <laughs> right? And I'm laughing about that. But Jimmy Carter was was terrible. But Obama is oh my god! I mean, and then you know what really bothers me? People want to talk about insulting others, you know, putting people down. But the minute we call Michelle Obama what she looks like, which is a 
total man and an ape out of the jungle, we immediately get called racist. We immediately get called all these names. But it's okay for Bill Maher, liberal talk show host, to call Trump an orangutan, which Trump doesn't even look like an orangutan. But you know what I mean? It's such a double standard. Um, and, you know, if, if somebody tries to call Obama a monkey, you know, with those big ears of his, then we get called a, we get called a racist. You know what? It, it's bullshit because people, you know, can make comments. People, you know, shouldn't have to be politically correct. People should be able to say whatever they want without these people being sensitive and their feelings hurt. And free speech is our right. And you know what? People, I know people that call Obama a monkey and Michelle Obama an ape. And you know what? They're black. And, and they and I even have people that are white that have some of their best friends are black, and they even think Michelle Obama looks like an ape and, and a man. Well, there was, I mean, there, I mean, there, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think his name Alan Keyes. He's always run for president, and when Obama yeah. got elected, he said um, that somebody said, "Well, you got a black president." He said, "He's not black. He's not he has black a white enough." Mama. And, and he has a white mama. Well, this was. Yeah, well, this was this was a black leader saying this, but but yeah. but think about this. One no, of, but Obama, well, Obama about, had a white Obama had a white mama, and everybody tries to portray him like he's black. He only, he never oh, really met his father, and his single he was raised by a single white mom and his single white grandma. I mean, he's as uh, white as it gets. I mean, it's the same sort of thing with Kaepernick, white mama. Right. You know, try, I, it, it's just a bunch of crap. But keep going. Uh, my 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 son lives in Hawaii, and he said uh, Obama lived very privileged life in 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 a, a high high level in in Hawaii. But anyway, let me go back to the point that I made about professional politicians, because you yeah. see, not only uh, did they not think Trump could get elected, R- but then quick, he got elected, quick, and wanna, he started. I want to correct myself real quick. I want to yeah. correct myself. On, I want to correct myself on something. You know, going okay. back to the comments, going to back to the comments about. You know, I just want to clear this up for the audience just so I don't get shit for this. About the Michelle Obama and the Obama comments. What about all of the comments they have people have the liberals have made towards the Trump family? Putting Baron Trump in a cage with pedophiles, calling Ivanka Trump a feckless cunt. I mean, all the things they've said about the Trump family and once the minute a conservative says something about Obama, they're called, you know, racist or a Nazi or all this different bullshit. And it just needs to stop. But, you know, I just I wanted to clear that up. But sorry. Yeah. Now, what, what I was going to say was that when I talked about professional politicians, you ha- these people now believe that they are the only ones that can be polit- politicians and be leaders. And so here you get Trump come, comes along. And uh, first of all, he, re- he beats all of the professional politicians in the Republican Party. And then he gets to be elected. And, and Mitch McConnell actually said it. He said he's got no experience to be president. So, of course, then Trump turns around and does the job. You know, that that really gets under their craw, all of them, because they believe that only they are capable of being politicians and leading the country. And here comes this guy out of the business world and does not only a good job but a brilliant job. And, of course, the George Washington uh, uh, talked about this. George Washington said, don't ever elect anybody that wants to be your leader. And Trump said, I don't want to be your leader. He says it many times. He said, hey, I could have been – I've got a lot of money. I could be people. living a very good life. And, and so um, this is why uh, it's not just that he got elected. It's that he got elected and is doing a better job than they've been able to do or they could yeah. do. And, and right. that's why there's so much hatred for him. And, let, and let's face the fact here. You bring up a great point, and I don't want to get to you, Josh. 
Um, you bring up a great point. The only reason the left has so much hatred for Donald Trump is because he can't be controlled. He funds everything himself. He, he's his own guy. Nobody, you know, there's no lobbyists or uh, donors or special interest groups that he owes money to. And they have finally have a guy in the White House that is doing everything for the people and doing all of these amazing things and that other past politicians failed to do and didn't do uh, for many reasons, a lot of reasons because they were controlled. But now you have Trump who's not controlled and is working for we the people. Every day he's out there at a new rally speaking to, to every, everybody in America. Every day he's out there doing something for, uh, for all of us. We barely ever uh, yeah. saw Obama do any come out. We Obama did nothing. All he did was he. And by the way, a lot of people don't know this, but you can look this up. This is a fact. Obama raised the debt more than all presidents in history combined. Now think about yep. that for a second, folks. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. And he and Obama tries to claim that you know uh, Obama tries to take credit for the economy. Give me a break, bro. I mean you. You, I mean, a total straight, Obama, Osama, Osama. But no, but Trump, you know, it, it's, and I've always, I've said for many years, we need, uh, we need Donald J. Trump in office. Uh, people can go back and look at some of my past things I've said. I said in 2010, 2011, Donald J. Trump needs to become president. We need to run this country like a business. And I was constantly following him on Twitter back in those days. And I knew it was going to come. I knew it was going to happen. And, uh, you know, uh, even my father predicted it. I mean, so many people yep. were predicting it, you know, five, six but, years ago. Go ahead. That's just, yeah, just let me add a couple of things about it. Notice that there is no rally where he doesn't talk about the movement. And he says, right. this isn't about me. It's about you. Right. I am giving power back to the people. Uh, right. But just a couple of stories about, about and he's him. he's selling out. He's, this is yep. how great he is. He's selling out yep. NFL stadiums, NBA arenas. I mean, this yep. guy is getting and, – and Obama, think about this. Obama was just in California the other day, the biggest liberal shit uh, uh, cesspool, you know, shit fest there is in this country. And he couldn't even fill up – he couldn't even get 1,000 people in a, in a, in a yep. place that fits 7,500. Trump, I mean, gets 20,000, 30,000 people every time he goes to speak. Yes, but it also, because you see, if you go to re you watch Obama, even the most recent speech, it's all read off of a prompter. Whereas yeah. Trump will read the prompter to keep a sort of a general line, but every once in a while he'll say, oh, I don't need that prompter, or he'll make off the cuff remarks, which are very human and very real. And that yeah. uh, people love that, that he's not right. being dictated to by the speech writers. And, and uh, so that's another part. But the, the other, just a couple of stories about him that illustrate why he's so successful. There was, I've, uh, always I said, to, I've always said, real quick, I've always said, yep. the only reason o Obama tricks so many people, I'll give him one good compliment. Obama is a great speaker. He knows how to trick people. He knows how to sway them in. That's probably why he got so many voters, and he is nothing but a lying, evil, conniving, I mean, just manipulative son of a bitch. 
Well, okay, the the story I was going to tell about was that uh, there was a, uh, not a story, but an actual event. Um, When um, a a New York reporter who figured she knew Trump because she was from New York, and she figured she'd catch him. And you notice, by the way, that they still try to uh, analyze him as if he's a politician, and they still get it completely wrong. They just yeah. can't bring themselves to, to accept that. Right. But anyway, right. she, she had the normal, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews over the years, but she had the normal gotcha questions ready to go. You know, uh, What's his name? Chris Wallace does it all the time. The gotcha question that is usually yeah. uh, very slanted and, and, and manipulative. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But she said to him, well, you know, we've done our research, and we can discovered that you gave, I've forgotten how much, I think it was $2 million to Hillary Clinton's campaign uh, to run for the Senate. Well, of course, for any politician to be uh, accused of funding some other politician, that would be the end of them. And Trump's answer was, yeah, and that's what's wrong with politics in America. As business people, you have to pay the politicians to get business done. In other words, he just completely threw it right back at her. And then... She came up with the second gotcha question, which was, "Well, we've also discovered that we've also discovered you were doing business with the mafia in New York." And he said, "Yeah, you cannot do business in New York without doing business with the mafia." Does that mean I agree with the mafia? No, but I'm not. I'm not going to get rid of them, and I want to get buildings built, and so that's what you have to do. That's the real world. So, so this is the classic Trump. Just not the politician, and and of course it's why when they think they've got him cornered, all of a sudden right. he just walks away because they're trying right. to nail him as a politician, and he isn't. Right, right. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know I I love that you said that Canada doesn't have free speech. First off, because I've been telling Americans you know that for years because I've done enough research about Canada to know that it doesn't exist uh, and people don't believe me, but um, you know, I'm glad to hear the same thing with free health care. Yep. That's a myth too in Canada. Well, that's a whole nother freaking monster to tackle, but um, you know, something, something I was curious about um, yep. where, you know, you're saying how there's people, the people in the West, um, uh, are the ones that are more that are more conservative, you know, like us, so to speak. Yeah. You know, you said that Trudeau can't be impeached, but is there a system in Canada set up for um, secession at all, or would it just be something that would happen because they did it? Uh, okay, I'll answer your question in just a second, but the other reason that Western Canada is more conservative is because it's much more uh, agricultural. And, of course, that's what Trump has got, the, the rural people in the middle. And, and, and this has uh, really become a rural-urban split, and we can talk about that more. But um, uh, the, the answer to your question is in what happened when Quebec tried to separate and become a, a country on its own. And using the United Nations rules... Um, that it's a a cultural group with its own language and its own state. And it's perfectly viable economically with resources and everything else. And so they moved, there was Quebec Quebec separatism. The elder Trudeau didn't want it. 
and he tried to stop it, and then he used the fact that they they uh, they kidnapped uh, somebody, and he used that to introduce what uh, is called the War Measures Act. And the War Measures Act uh, in Canada allows the Prime Minister simply to declare it, and every single right that every Canadian has is gone. And he then called out the Canadian Army to... Uh, put the, the, its own army against its own people uh, wherever there might be trouble. So uh, it, if Western Canada tried to separate, well, that's exactly what would happen. And of course, the, the idea, we don't just, it's not just free speech, it's private ownership of land. All, right. of land in Ca all of land in Canada is called crown land. You buy a piece of land and you think you own it, but the government can take it any time it wants for any reason whatsoever, and there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus. Well, I mean, geez, oh, peace. I, I'm going, so I'm in microeconomics right now in college, and we just, you know, the beginning of the class, we talked about Adam Smith and the invisible hand, and basically how everything regarded, you know, his ide ideology regarding around property rights and freedom. So that's very, you know, that's very interesting. Something else you went over in that microeconomics class that I, I just keep getting reminded of, and I, and I want to make this clear for all the listeners, and you already mentioned it, is Canada is pure Marxism. There's nothing else that it is. Oh, yeah. It, everything that you've said so far is just straight up the definition of Marxism. Win-loss yep. economics. Marxism yep. says that when someone wins, that means someone else lost. But that's not yep. – when you have capitalism and a free market, you have win-win transactions. But when you have a government-set-up market and it's Marxism, it's win-loss situations. And, the, and you know who wins? The government wins and everyone else loses. Yep. And, and uh, so, of, of course, uh, the, um, uh, the, that's exactly what, what's going on in, in, in Canada. And, and uh, when, when you uh, uh, go back in history – in Britain, for example, which America correctly separated from, um, everybody points to the Magna Carta, and and they right. say, oh, well, this was the, the the freedom of land ownership. No, it wasn't. What Magna Carta was was uh, about twelve or thirteen very powerful landowners going to the king and saying, look, you're not treating us properly. You better change that. What's ignored in Magna Carta is every one of those big. Uh, landowners had thousands of peasants living in servitude and, and slavery on their estates. <laughs> and if you go to Britain today, and if you go to Britain today, five people in Britain control almost half of the land, and two right. of them are the Queen and Prince Charles. So, you, you know, when you look at, at what's going on there, uh, it, this is why America was formed and created and separated. And America, by the way, was created by people in Britain who knew they could never defeat the system in Britain. But when they went to America, this was an opportunity to to fight the British government and, and beat it. And and so that's what America came out of. Yeah, very, very well said. Um, Josh, you want to continue on that? Do you have anything else? I mean, shoot, I could go. I could go for days. Um, you know. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying here is that if the West, the agricultural area of Canada, did decide to, uh, it's quote unquote, secede uh, from the rest of Canada, it would become a very much so um, 
1776 type of revolution um, in, in that sense. Yes, exactly. Now, I'll give you an example of, of a public forum where I was involved in this kind of debate. It's, it's on a smaller scale. But I was talking to about a 1,000 farmers in a place called Lloydminster, which is on the border between Alberta and Saskatchewan. And this is, uh, the, the, far, the prices were very low. The farmers were just losing money every which way. And, and um, the economy was – and then they had a drought, and they were having to slaughter their cattle – and uh, they said, you know, what what can we do to get attention? Because, you see, this is the problem that, that farmers in, in North America have been so successful that you could now got a, about 5% of the population who are registered as farmers feeding the other 95% with food left over to export. But that means, of course, that you then you lose your political clout. One of the things that I was so pleased about what Trump did was that he appointed Sonny Perdue as his Secretary of Agriculture, and at the big first big farm meeting, he went down to it and spoke at it, and he, he, he uh, immediately acted on the one thing that was bothering them all, and that was the inheritance or death tax. And, and so uh, Trump was very aware, and I, I coined this phrase years ago, and, and keep quoting it, there are no city or farms in the cities, but there are no cities without farms. And when I was talking to this group of farmers in Lloydminster, they said, what can we do? And I said, well, the problem is you won't do what uh, you need to do because of who you are. Conservatives are, are independent. They prefer to think for themselves. They don't like right. joining gr uh, groups. And, and right. that's why, by the way, a, a, a Canadian conservative uh, president of the Conservative Party once said they called an election and the liberals all get together and agree on a policy. And the conservatives yeah. uh, draw their wagons into a circle and shoot inwards. And you see that with the Republicans now. Shooting each other instead of dealing with uh, with support, supporting Trump and what should be happening, but anyway, yeah. I said, look, what you guys need to do is you all need to get together one year and say we're not going to put in a crop, we're not going to send any food to the city, uh, animals or or vegetables, and then see what yeah. happens. But I said, here's the problem you've got: the politics there uh, in in, Ca in Toronto at that time. 60, in fact, it's, it's even higher now. 60% of the people living in Toronto were not even born in Canada. So they don't even know about the rural areas at all. And, of course, the 60% the of the population of Toronto is more than in six of the Canadian provinces. So guess where the politician is going to go for the vote? And this is the problem that you've got, increasing dominance of the vote by the urban, uh, urban dwellers, and that's totally disconnected from the land. And this is going on in the U.S., and, and you, you hear it with weather forecasts. They'll come on and they'll say, oh, it's going to be nice, hot, sunny, no rain. And the farmer's saying, I need rain. The forecasts that, they, that the urbans and rurals need are completely different. And th this urban-rural split is, is, is one of the things that Trump has tapped into and really needs to be uh, have a great deal of attention. Right. Right. You know what, Dr. Timothy Ball, we do have a few more things to get to. Um, I'm going to have you back on right away next week. There's, we could talk for hours and hours. There are so many damn things and topics that we need to go over uh, in regards to, you know, tariffs, um, you know, yeah. uh, the uh, ice. We, well, there's so many different things. 
iTunes. I'll, I'll, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just leave you. Yeah, can I just leave you with one idea to preface this for the no, for I, 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 want, I want to go over before before you go. I want to go over a few important things with you, Josh. Okay. If you want to um, you want to continue anything last last thing you had to say about that. I want to switch gears, switch topics. Okay. Well, yeah, one, mean, one, 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 sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, you. Oh, what I was going to say was that the Washington Post had that stupid article where they blamed Trump for Hurricane Florence. And, exactly. And of course, that's what I wanted to get. Yes, that's what I wanted to get to. But before we get to Hurricane Florence, I just want to know if Josh had any closing statements with what uh, you had to say uh, regarding uh, Canada. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I had to say was, you know, and to, to, to quote from our own Declaration of Independence, but when a long train of abuses, uh, you know, that that very piece is something that, that Canada, I think, is eventually going to have to deal with um, because right. there is, you know, because they're so close to America, there is a remnant uh, that I think will always be there of people wanting freedom because they see it uh, so yep, closely yep. in America. Um, and yep. I, you know, and like you were saying, I think eventually it could potentially lead lead to e- you know either a complete a complete um, um, re reprocessing of you know the correct people being elected, or it could lead uh, to a serious to something as what happened in seventeen seventeen seventy six with America and Britain. Yeah. Okay. One, uh, just a quick response to that. That's why Trump's election is not only important in the U.S., but it's important for us around the world who are looking for exactly what Trump is offering. And uh, in that speech, in that speech in in Phoenix, I said what was so significant about the Trump election was that it was the final phase of the American Revolution, because you had free speech, you had gun rights, and you had private ownership of land. The one thing that you didn't. Yeah, the one thing that you didn't have was um, the access uh, or access to information, and that that has always been controlled uh, by the power elite. But now with the internet and Trump speaking using of that, Twitter, ninety percent. But matter of fact, speaking of that, ninety percent of political yeah. donations have from are from Google go to Democrats. Think about that yeah, it, for a second. Yeah, exactly. Well. Um, what what happened uh, was uh, and I'm trying to find uh, 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 oh, let's hurry up on this to- let's hurry up on this topic because I want to get to the hurricane stuff. Okay, what what uh, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to read a poem to you because it's so critical. Um, yeah. If if you can hang on just for a second, I'm on my computer here. Yeah, no trying problem. To, um, and by the way, by the way, what really pissed me off today is the port. There's a new article shown today. Um, Puerto Rico airport runway was full of millions of bottles of unused water. So Trump yep. and FEMA dropped it off, and then we all know how evil that woman was, the Puerto Rican may- mayor, trying to blame stuff on Trump. But Trump did his due diligence in what he was supposed to do. The Puerto Rican government and their officials uh, did not do the proper uh, protocol and, and response. Okay, I found that I found what I wanted to read to you in, in response yeah. to Josh's question, and this is yeah. from a, a, an English poet by the name of William Cooper, C O W P E R. He wrote right. the poem in he wrote poem in 1782. 
And think yeah. about that relative to the what was going on in the U.S. at the time. And think about what I said about the final uh, phase of the American Revolution, the access to information, which had always been controlled by the power elite. And this is what yeah. uh, Cooper wrote. And, and he was, of course, in touch with uh, Benjamin Franklin and all those other people. Here's the poem. Right. How, how shall I speak of thee or thy power address, thou, the god of our idolatry, the press? By thee, religion, liberty, and laws exert their influence and advance their cause. By thee, worse plagues than Pharaoh's land befell, diffused make earth the vestibule of hell. Thou fountain at which drink the good and wise, thou ever-bubbling spring of endless lies. Like Eden's dead probationary tree, knowledge of good and evil is from thee. Trump could have written that about today's media, and that's from 1782. And, of course, that's why I'm saying that for the first time in history, a nation has been able to get information not from the, the, the people that are in the control of the power elite. Right. And, you know, if this doesn't scare the shit out of the people, uh, I don't know what will. But you're talking about how everything's controlled. Uh, you know, I just said how 90% of uh, donations from Google go to Democrats. There's also a new report out that Google just hired a dozen of Clinton's, Hillary Clinton staffers. So you know what that means. They're trying to, um, you know, fix and uh, modify uh, the searches on the Internet uh, to, to screw with conservatives. They're trying to basically uh, make us invisible and, uh, you know, screw with us and give us all the fake news. I mean, it's so – it's getting dirty. It's dirty. I mean, they're trying – they want to turn it into, like, a communism China situation where they control the media. They control it all. It's scary shit. Well, and of course, there's several ways of doing it. You don't necessarily yeah. have to, uh, uh, you yeah. know, you have the laws, but um, one of the things I like to point out to people that rules are designed yeah. to make things function, but what happens yeah. when a group of people say we're going to work to rule? Right. And, you know, yeah, it, it's scary. It's scary stuff, and it's yeah. a whole nother conversation. It's a whole nother yeah. conversation, but I, I find it very sketchy. That they're hiring a dozen a dozen Hillary Clinton yep. staffers a few months before the midterms. I mean, we're, we're going to yep. talk I about think, that a different day, but you know, yep. just just, ima- just imagine what they're up to. So many bad things, dirty. Yeah. But um, Hillary, I mean, uh, Valerie, I want you to respond real quick. Do you have any thoughts? And then we got to get into this hurricane stuff uh, before we uh, got got to go. Go ahead for the, with the hurricane because we're running out of time. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we, you know, you have about a minute. Go ahead. Just respond if you want real quick. Um, it's all right. I'm going to wait because I have, I don't want to take – I have other – go ahead. Just go ahead. It, okay, it, we'll I, have I, him. I, How about I, we have him back on next week, and we'll, we have so much yeah, to talk about. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, well, okay. I, I've got Valerie's head just buzzing with ideas. I, I know. We got, we got a lot of stuff. Take over. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know. Okay. And Valerie, we're also going to talk about next week uh, with you, Doctor okay. uh, Doctor Timothy Ball, about yeah. uh, the radical yeah. Islamic terrorists that Ju- Justin Trudeau has been letting into Canada. Even ISIS fighters he yeah. let return to Canada, and that was a big scandal, which we will talk about next week. But obviously, we have about ten minutes left, so I want to get into the big news, uh, which is you know breaking everywhere. Hurricane Florence it just moved to a level five, which is the most extensive. Uh, they're saying it could be worse than Katrina, 
uh, you're a climate change expert. Uh, you're, you know, you're a geography master. You know, you know all about this science stuff. What are your thoughts? I want to know what you have been uh, studying and what, what you see out of, you know, it's North Carolina right now. It's Virginia, South Carolina. They said it could move to Maryland. They said it could go to Delaware, and they said it could move to Georgia as well. Uh, the, the the category or they don't they didn't say category five they just said uh, level they did recently, five like a couple hours ago I saw an yeah oh, no I, I, and I saw that and it's meaningless that's never been used before and, and the reason they're doing that is because their normal category system which goes from one through five is based upon the wind speed associated with the hurricane. And, and, of course, they always want to make it seem absolutely the worst situation, and therefore you need the government, you need control and everything else. So, uh, that, the, But the environmental movement, which started back in the 60s, was absolutely necessary. It does not make sense to soil your own nest, to dirty your own house. And, and But what happened with it was, as with all of these things, the left wing and the, the socialists saw it as an opportunity to, to take the moral high ground and use it to control people and their behavior. And, and of course, uh, you know, if you say, well, if you dare to question them, oh, well, you don't care about the planet. You don't care about the future. Yeah. You don't care about right. the fishes. And and right. so it became a, a, a moral high ground position. And, and right. uh, that is, is what's going on. Now, in order to do that, what they were what they did was they took everyday normal events in nature like hurricanes like tornadoes like heavy rainfall high temperatures low temperatures and presented them as if they were abnormal because they know the people don't know what is normal and for example when they called me a climate change denier my whole career has involved explaining to the public how much the climate changes all the time i'm anything but a denier right exactly but but uh, th this is what they're doing so florence comes along and if this is a perfectly normal well within all normal uh, patterns of hurricanes for the last uh, thousands of years and they right. want to present it as if it's something completely abnormal, never occurred before. And right. the media, uh, the, the bureaucrats at, at the uh, uh, weather offices like NOAA and the, uh, the media are complicit in this. And uh, one of the things that, um, for example, uh, I was on radio two days ago and said that, that Florence will be downgraded and probably will barely be a, a Category 1 uh, hurricane by the time it comes ashore. That's precisely what's happening. That, that's not to say that there won't be uh, strong winds and, and uh, a small tidal surge and, and rains. Not, not saying that at all, but that's the normal pattern with it. What I'm saying is that um, they, they forecast it to be much worse than it is. I mean, you see terms like extreme and the comment you just made about five. Now, what is the five they're talking about? As the hurricane moves north, the, the height of the atmosphere, what we call the tropopause, gets lower. People don't realize that the, the atmosphere in which the weather occurs is twice as high over the equator as it is at the pole. So it, it's about 18 kilometers over the equator and about 9 kilometers over the pole. So as the hurricane, which has height to it, as it moves north, it gets squashed down. It gets flattened out. 
And as that happens, that reduces the wind speed. And it reduces the wind speed in the opposite way that if a skater's spinning with their arms out, if they pull their arms in and concentrate the mass around the axis of rotation, they spin faster. Well, with the hurricane, as it gets flattened out, it spins uh, slower, the wind speeds diminish, and, of course, the wind speed is what determines the uh, category of the hurricane. What they also don't tell you is that there is no way that they can measure wind speed in the, uh, under the hurricane. So what they do is they fly through the top of it with one or two flights. They measure the wind speed at that altitude, and then using a computer model, they estimate what the wind speed is at the surface. Now, of course, right. you see they know the media and, and everybody wants to be able to say, oh, it's a, a very, very right. strong hurricane. So they, right. they estimate. We know from all previous hurricanes where they've done this, the wind speed yeah. that they're saying actually is when it gets to shore and they can really measure it, they're always estimating it higher than it actually is. That happened with uh, Katrina. Katrina yeah. was, was for a brief while Category 5. By the time it got to, to um, uh, New Orleans, it was a Category 3. And then what they don't tell you is throughout history, almost all of the deaths associated with hurricanes is because of government pretending to the people that they're protected. The, the worst, earliest one I know of was in 1900 at Galveston, Texas, when a hurricane came in. They built, the government had built earth walls to protect against the storm surge. It just simply went right through that. And the estimates are that 12,000 people died, drowned. That's in, in 1900. And that's exactly what happened in New Orleans. And, and the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers wanted to build up the dikes. The environmentalists blocked them. And guess what happened? The water went into the low areas of poor people, and people drowned at, at Katrina. So every time the government tries to get in and, and deal with it, they make it worse. And, of course, we've got this whole use of, 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 of the environment to control people. That, that's what the agenda is, uh, that um, the, the nature and climate is bigger than, than any of you and any nation, and therefore we need one world government to deal with it. That's why global warming became the issue. They wanted to say that global warming attacks everybody. No one nation can deal with it. Therefore, we want we need one world government with a massive carbon tax, funded by uh, kept by the International Monetary Fund. Uh, but in fact, what it was was just simply a massive transfer of wealth and, and total control by a global socialist government. Right. But wow, wow. Very well said. We have about um, about two minutes left. I, I do want to ask you, which is very important, um, what do you see damage-wise in these places? Do you see it as bad as Katrina in terms of restructuring these cities and these states? I mean, do you see the floodings being? No, well, the, the, the first thing is, of course, as I said, that the governments enable uh, by providing uh, flood insurance or, uh, you know, allowing people to live in these areas. The first thing that's got to happen is you've got to start have uh, building codes that um, if you say if you're going to live in that area, your building's got to, to be able to uh, handle the local weather. Either that right. or you say you, you carry insurance of your own. And notice, by the way, that, as I said, private companies won't offer flood insurance. That's why the government does it. Um, but um, 
with regard to uh, uh, th- this particular hurricane, uh, no, there, uh, th- of course, they'll go around, they'll try and find somebody with loss of life, but the flooding won't be anywhere near as severe as they're expecting. The rainfall will be uh, uh, over a much larger area because of the flattening out of the hurricane, uh, but all of this is perfectly normal for a hurricane, and it's what always goes on. And if you live in those areas, it's like with people living down the center of the United States. Do you think the evacuation Evacuation. Tornado Alley. What if you live there? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get tornadoes. Yeah. Do you think the evacuation process is over exaggerated? Um, Well, to some extent it is. I mean, this is the difficulty for the politician because if they don't uh, react and somebody dies, then they'll be held accountable. So they tend their tendency is to overreact, and and so they're they're caught between a rock and a hard place. And, and right. of course, what, what's, what's really needed is yeah. better education about what's happening. But the, the right. governments, of course, are guilty for that because the governments uh, feed the people what they want them to know that, and yeah. nothing else. It, it's become yeah. indoctrination, not education. Well said. Do you think um, the media are, are, is exaggerating it in order sorry, to they, have more viewers? We are, out of, we are out of time. 30 seconds. We are out of time, but real quick, answer that. What was the question? Do you think the media is exaggerating what's happening with the hurricane in order to to create more viewers? Oh, totally. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, I mean, and even Fox News. You know, Fox News advertises itself as fair and balanced. Well, isn't that what all media should be? Why do you have to have that as your slogan? That's like you going around and saying, I'm a woman. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. You, you should be fair and balanced. Well, some people but, don't know what sex they are. No, I know. I know, and they're not. And by the way, in Canada, in Canada, we do not have uh, – they did, They tried to get a Fox-type station here. The government shut it down. Harper shut it down. We we Jesus. don't have even right-wing radio. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's a whole other topic. We do have to go. <laughs> oh, my God. We will yeah. have you on next week for a long time, and we will go over so many things. Uh, Dr. Timothy Ball, it's honestly a real pleasure. Great to have you on. Um, an amazing uh, first time on the show uh, having you on here. Um, and we have so much more to talk about that we'll get to next week. Uh, please promote okay. your website or whatever you have to uh, uh, yeah, where it, people it can just, find you. Yeah, it's just drtimball.com, D-R-T-I-M-B-A-L-L.com. And what I want to thank you for is uh, presenting the other side of the story and letting people make up their own mind because the one thing most people are tired of is, is being told what to think, and that's what's happening. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And uh, everything you said was absolutely incredible and spot on. And you've, uh, like I said, you've been an incredible guest, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much, sir. Have a great night, and God bless you. Okay, thank you kindly. All right, take care. Wow, he is incredible. Um, It was his first time on the show, absolutely uh, I mean, I that guy I could talk to all day. I mean, that guy is so profound, uh, amazing. Um, Josh, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. And Miss Valerie, people where people can find your website? Um, my book is Backyard Jihad. And you can get it at Amazon.com, and um, my website is BackyardJihad.com. Perfect. Um, Thank you, Roy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. And, um, you know, I want to thank all my co-hosts. I want to thank all of my um, sponsors, all of my viewers. We are now downloadable in 14 countries. Uh, to name a few places, you can find us, iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, TuneIn, Google Play, Player.fm, Blue, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. We're on a lot of different stations, which is great. Um, please visit RorySodder.tv. Uh, you can also visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. I want to thank everyone for tuning in again tonight. It's been an amazing show. All my guests, all my audience, all my co-hosts. I hope you all have a great weekend. Um, God bless. Uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Cheers.